Please listen carefully. And welcome in, everyone. Got another episode of the Scouts Honor Sports Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hurd. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we're going to be talking about um, a little bit of a local legend around these parts. As, as those of y'all who know me are aware, I live in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Little nice little city nestled in the uh, upstate of South Carolina. And we, we've got this kid who, who came through Spartanburg Day School a couple years ago, uh, ended up going to Duke, got drafted, so he's a rookie in the NBA now, and I, and I wanted to discuss him. Uh, I, I'm sure most of you guys aren't really familiar with the, with this player, Zion Williamson. Uh, Zion, he's 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 on the Pelicans. Um, I know he's not as good as you know Nikhil Alexander Walker, Jackson Hayes. Those dudes are awesome, but you know they also had this other rookie, Zion. Um, he's only played 12 games. You know they say it was due to an injury, but it was probably because he sucked so bad they just wanted him on the bench. You know. That, that's probably it. Um, now, Zion. We're going to talk about Zion. Zion, Zion, Zion. I think this is like Google, where if I just put the name Zion a hundred times in my dialogue, it'll pop up in everyone's search results when they search Zion. Um, if that doesn't work, then I will... I'll adjust my strategy, you know? I'll adjust. Uh, but, hey, I want to talk about Zion Williamson. 12 games into his young burgeoning NBA career as I did mention uh started all 12 of those games he started out playing about 17 uh sorry I think it was 17 then 21 minutes in his first couple of games but uh got 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 up to around 30 minutes a game pretty quickly actually uh he's averaging 28.1 minutes now through 12 games um so he has ramped up that uh, that role for the Pelicans. Um, obviously, I think it was really, really annoying to everyone at first, the first couple of games, how Zion was getting pulled three or four minutes into each quarter. Um, they are still going with that system, pulling Zion. Um, I, I mean, obviously, that's kind of how you do starters, right? You pull them after six or seven minutes in the quarter and then put them back in. Um, he has not... He, I, I think... It's worth noting, though, that he has been starting every quarter rather than starting a different unit in the second quarter and then rolling out Zion for the last eight minutes in the quarter. They have been doing a very strict regimen of, okay, you come in at the quarter, you come out five or six minutes left. Um, If you came out with six or seven minutes left, maybe you get to go back in with a minute or two left. So it has been a very strict sort of regimen there. He's shooting 41.7% from three. Whoa. So Zion has made, I think, five three-pointers at this point. Because he made the, obviously, went four for four in that first game. Uh, But if you have not been watching since, he's not been making three-pointers. He's not a shooter. He does not shoot right now. Uh, I mean, he'll shoot maybe once a game, maybe twice if you're lucky. And they're fine. They're fine. They'll they'll go in eventually. Uh, and he did have one really nice three where he kind of kind of uh, faked like he was driving in and pulled it back and shot. I mean, it was, against, it was a couple days against the Warriors, um, not against necessarily the best defense. I think it was against 
Juan Toscato Anderson, who put up some threes in that game, looked good. I was impressed. I'd never heard of him before. You know, when he stood out, because it's this guy with like a 95 jersey, which first of all stands out, because who wears a 95? But then, you know, I just realized I don't know who this guy is. He, he looked good. You know, not... And Kai, Kai Bowman also looked really good. Um, not not saying these guys are going to go start on, you know, good teams, but they could be... They, they look like NBA players. Absolutely. Uh, one guy who does not look like an NBA player, Alan Smilicic, not even a little bit. Um, they'll get there. They'll get there. I believe. I believe. Oof. Um, yeah, but he has, so as I mentioned, 28 minutes a game. Um, he's been putting up 15 field goal attempts in 28 minutes, which that's quite a bit for a guy like Zion who, I mean, we saw especially early on, he's being so passive. Um, he's just so, he's almost overly willing to pass. Um, but 15 field goal attempts, he's hitting 58.6% from the field, which is just, I mean, it's ridiculous. I, I mean, it's, he's not a center. He kind of plays like one, but he's, he's not, he's, he's a forward for forward to have the 58% field goal percentage. That's pretty incredible. That's pretty amazing. Um, shooting 60% from the line, not amazing, but sustainable for sure. And he has had a few games such as the, uh, the Milwaukee game where he went, let me see, he went 10 for 14 from the field, sorry, 10 for 14 from the line in the Milwaukee game, 11 for 14 in the uh, first Portland game, and 10 for 13 against Oklahoma City. So he's had three games with double-digit field goal, sorry, again, free throw makes, um, and he was, you know, pretty efficient in all of those. He had another uh, 5 for 10 game against Portland, but, you know, just another double-digit attempt game. He is getting to the line a ton. It makes sense. There's just not really that much you can do with this guy. We haven't really seen anyone so far that has been able to match up with his strength whatsoever through, through 12 games. I mean, so, and I'll get into it a little later. The best attempt at stopping Zion we have seen so far, and it was, it was pretty effective, uh, was the Milwaukee game. Milwaukee held him to 5 of 13 shooting from the field. Um, as I mentioned, though, did have that impressive shooting from the line. He went 10 of 14. But he was still able. He grabbed, you know, for those offensive re uh, Sorry, he was 5 of 19 from the field, not 13. So he, you know, shot 26%. Um, ended up having a negative 11 box score uh, because of all of those missed shots. But again, you know, he got 14 attempts. So... 19 shots, seven of those he was fouled on, um, assuming there weren't any and ones. I, 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 that's perfectly fine. That's just, that that's that's like 5 of 12 from the field. That's, you know, that's, so, sorry, if that's your bad night, you're doing pretty well. Um, especially, you know, going up against the best regular season team right now, the best player in the league in Giannis. Uh, and what I was going to say is, that Giannis and Brooke Lopez combination did a great job defending Zion. It wasn't just Giannis, and it wasn't just Brooke Lopez. It was the combination. And I think we'll see that uh, as Zion's career progresses, is it's not going to be an individual locking down Zion Williamson. That just seems a little improbable. You're going to have pairs. It's going to be... 
going to be duos. Maybe it's, you know, a primary defender and then a primary help defender. Um, that is just one observation I've had, though. I, I guess one way to... so Sorry, another example would be Portland. Uh, in Portland, we did not see that combo, um, especially... I think they helped uh, a lot more in the second game, which is why he was, you know, a lot less... I mean, actually, I take that back. He had identical 10 of 17... Um, had four less attempts from the free throw line, but he did have the same exact 10 to 17 shooting in both games. And that's just because they don't have anyone to pair with Hassan Whiteside. I, I think Hassan Whiteside was pretty clearly overmatched trying to defend Zion one-on-one. Z- I think Hassan needed to be the primary, or I don't know if that's the right terminology, but he needed to be the, you know, the main help defender, the one that is going and helping on Zion at any time he's getting the ball inside or anytime he's a threat really, which is, you know, pretty often <laughs> pretty much anytime he has the ball, he's a threat, but they just didn't have anyone to pair with him. I mean, what are you going to send Carmelo to be, you know, helping out Hassan White? It's just not going to do that much. So, so I think that's where Portland really struggled um, was they didn't have a second guy to, you know, pair with Hassan Whiteside in the Zion defensive scheme. So next, uh, I want to go ahead and I, I did take some notes. I wanted to talk a little bit about Zion's strengths and weaknesses. Uh, I'm sure there are some of these that are going to be pretty obvious, but I thought it was a worthwhile exercise just to dig into, uh, you know, I, I think you see what he's good at now and then weaknesses. It's not just what he's bad at per se. It's where he can improve which I think that's almost even more important than knowing your strengths at this point in your career. Though, of course, knowing your strengths is what gets him 20 to 30 points a night. So first off, I'm just going to run down his strengths. So his first strengths, uh, that's going to be strength. Um, physical, muscle, you know, f- uh, you know, physical power. Zion's just like quite possibly the strongest guy in the NBA. I, it's stunning. You know, even I didn't really see it coming. And you know what? If you go back and watch Zion's high school tape, and even his senior year. So I, I went to Dorman High School. Zion and Spartanburg Day School played against Dorman at Dorman my, uh, his senior year. So I think that was, you know, two, two years ago. I, I went back and watched that on YouTube just yesterday morning, just kind of for the fun of it, honestly. Um, there's this one really memorable dunk Zion has in the beginning of the game. We had this, like, this 6'8", um, you know, center on our team. He's, you know, pretty thick, pretty strong guy, but not a great vertical. On the first play of the game, day school gets the ball. This little kid that kind of dribbles around for a little while and then eventually passes to Zion. Zion kind of just faces him up, goes not just up, but he reaches up and then over him and places the ball in the hoop. I've never seen a guy get that high in my life. I don't think I've seen it since. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. But the point I really wanted to make is that when you go back and watch that tape, you look at Zion's arms. They are, they're not, they're not bulky. They're not well-defined, that's for sure. Um, and I'm not sure that this is... This is something that most people know. 
Zion Williamson was not a big, tall, thick human being when he was 12 years old. When he was 15 years old, even. He had a massive growth spurt. Um, I believe it was during his ninth grade year. Maybe, you know, from ninth grade to 10th grade. Uh, I mean, it was it was probably started in, in ninth and went to, you know, 11th. Um, but he was, he, he was a point guard his freshman year. He was probably like 6'2". They show these these pictures of uh, Ja and Zion at their AAU team, and Zion's a little taller because you know they are young, and he's still he's still six two when he's like fifteen or something. But he's not six six when he's fifteen, and he's not two hundred and sixty pounds or anything crazy like that. Like he's probably two twenty, maybe, maybe. I, I'd have to really go back and try to figure that out, but. Zion was just not a kid that had all this strength early on. And even after his growth spurt, he, he wasn't, you know, used to being that size. He had, and that's why you see so many guard skills with him. Uh, I think Anthony Davis has a similar story where he just really sprouted later on. Uh, Zion obviously didn't really sprout like Anthony Davis. He ballooned, um, which kind of gives a negative connotation. He didn't really balloon. He just expanded. But it was... Again, not a great connotation. He's not filled with air. He's filled with muscle and, like, cement and bricks. That's what Zion Williamson is filled with. That man, he, I mean, as I said, I think he might be the strongest guy in the NBA right now. Um, and I think a huge credit to the Pelicans, most likely. I think they've probably gotten him in incredible shape these last, whatever, six months that he's been with the organization. Um, I think probably Duke, Duke's strength, uh, strength, whatever, strength and, strength and conditioning regimen. Um, I think you got to give credit to both organizations there. I think especially the Pelicans. Zion is ripped now. Just, uh, you know, I, I, so I, I watched, you know, that the Dormant game and the Warriors versus Pelicans game in that same day. So comparing, you know, Zion from two years ago to Zion now, it's not even, they don't even look the same. They look so different. Zion's shoulders now, they're just massive. Um, I think he's still probably got a little, you know, a little more ways to go. He can continue to build up. But I think as far as um, putting strength on, you know, there's a reason he's 280. He's, he's not out of shape. He's 280 and in great shape. That's what I think. Uh, let me let me move on to the next bullet point though. I don't need to spend that long on all of these. Uh, I probably won't have like a random long unnecessary story to you know go on every time. Uh, Zion's first step, Zion's first step, I think is really impressive uh, and really key to how he's going to succeed um, later in his career. I don't think he utilizes it as much right now, just because his dribble is very loose. Um, and there's just, you know, there are too many good ball handlers on that Pelicans team. You don't need Zion sitting there turning the ball over seven times a game. You can just have Drew Alonzo pass it to him in better position. But Zion still utilizes that first step um, in his more interior moves. That little spin baseline, uh, sorry, drive baseline and then spin back to the inside and go around you, that is his first step, right? That's, that's its quickness, its agility. Zion's agility is 
probably the greatest for any 280 pound individual. Um, uh, so undoubtedly the greatest for any 280 pound individual that I've ever seen. I would imagine up there with the greatest ever of all time. Like he's probably competing with some of the great defensive ends, uh, maybe even defensive tackles at some point. But I just, I, his first step is unrivaled. I mean, yeah, again, if he was a defensive end, he'd be making $100 million, just like in the NBA. He's got game-breaking athleticism, not just with his strength, but when you combine that strength with that agility, what are you supposed to do? That's, that's why I called it game-breaking. It breaks the game. You cannot strategize around that without completely sacrificing other parts of, you know, your defense. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, the next thing, though, Zion's ability to what I call, I think maybe I've heard, uh, maybe they call it on the Dunk Dom podcast, or um, I've heard this mentioned various times, I think. Zion's quote-unquote broad jump ability. It's that, it's, it's that leaping ability, but it's not... Okay, I'm running the fast break. I'm going to load up. I'm going to, you know, jump right under the basket, jump up as high as I can and dunk it. It's more the the MJ free throw line dunk where you're the broad jump, right? The broad jump is a competition in track and field where you are trying to jump the furthest possible distance. That's what you're trying to describe when you Sorry, that's what I'm trying to describe right now. It's that ability to jump, you know, 15 feet horizontally on the court. Yeah, it's awesome to be able to jump really high. And Zion can jump really high too. Don't worry. In fact, I would say it's the combination of that jumping high, so jumping vertically and jumping horizontally, that makes his broad jump so incredible because uh, and I'm sure you guys have seen the clip when he was at Duke uh, versus UVA Virginia uh, on DeAndre Hunter where he just jumps to block this shot he probably jumps 15 maybe 20 feet and he landed out of bounds I mean it's it's one of the most absurd clips I've ever seen it looks like he jumped off a trampoline that's that's one of his that's one of the most game-breaking skills he has, and it's just, uh, so. That's one of the hardest to describe. You just have to see it. You have to see it, and when you see it, you know it. And <laughs> trust me, it's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Just to witness how much distance he's traveling, both horizontally and vertically, when he jumps. I mean, that goes back to the strength. There's just so much power behind his jump. It's incredible. So let's talk now uh, about an actual basketball skill. His touch is phenomenal. I mean, the reason he's shooting 58% is not because he's getting five dunks a game. I mean, he is shooting like 15, I, I think I said 15 field goal attempts per game. You know, the last four games, he's shot 17, 19, 17, and 20 attempts. That's that's a lot of <laughs> that's a lot of field goal attempts. He's shooting 58%. It's cuz he has really good touch around the rim. Not every time, uh, sorry, 
He's not getting um, up over the rim every time. There are certainly times when Zion's making his move and he's just trying to go up and get high, you know, not on the rim, but up to the level of the rim and then lay the ball in. Because he's got great touch. He will roll that ball in. He'll kind of toss it up there, let it bounce a couple times. It'll just drop right in. Sometimes he misses, yeah, but not often. Not often. Um, I mean, I think we've seen, obviously, he's hit a couple of threes. He's hit a couple little, like, post-turnarounds and whatever, just nonsensical shots he, he would like to take. But he, um, and I think we see it in the free throws, too. He's got some touch. I mean, he's got a couple, you know, double-digit free throw games where he's shooting over 70% from the line. It's not like he's just getting hacked. And, and, and I think it comes in in the passing, too, which is which will be its own point. But he's just really... He knows the game really well. Um, another thing, his catch radius on these alley-oops, kind of a non-sequitur, but his ability, he, I don't think there's ever been a time where someone's thrown an alley-oop and he hasn't gone up for it. Um, and I don't think there's ever been a time where he's gone up for an alley-oop and it hasn't been thrown. So his ability to know when that's happening is incredible. And that also, you know, that's credit to Lonzo and uh, Drew Holiday, but, you know, Brandon Ingram throws an alley-oop sometimes, and he always gets them, always. His catch radius is insane, especially for a guy without a 7'6 wingspan or whatever. I mean, he just he grabs everything, and he's got great hands. Um, he does not bobble the ball when he gets it. Another thing, kind of going back to the broad jump, he's got, so he's got the, like, load up, I'm going to jump the furthest distance and get as high up in the air as possible, that's like his, you know, weak side block. I'm lining you up. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna ruin your life. But his quick jump is really awesome too. Um, his ability to sort of get inside. It's why when he's going for rebounds, he kind of waits, and then he, and then at the last moment, he kind of slides in. Once you're already looking for the ball, he slides in and jumps because he knows he can do both of those actions before you can jump. Because, I mean, he's so quick, obviously, with this, the first step I was mentioning. But his, his jump is so quick, too. He just he doesn't need to load up to get up to grab a rebound. I mean, unless it's Giannis, he can just jump over you very easily. Uh, and another thing, I've heard it, I, I think I first heard it described with Marvin Bagley when he was coming into the draft out of Duke. Um, he has a pogo stick ability where he can just... He goes up once, lands, and he can just go right back up. I think that's just like that, and that's so that kind of comes in off of just you know putbacks inside, but that sort of goes to the little thing he'll do. Um, I call it the Moses Malone special. I think you know a lot of people probably refer to Mo in this, um, but he will just sort of. I mean, okay, Moses Malone would supposedly just kind of throw the ball up at the backboard of the rim so that he could go in for the offensive rebound because uh, he's one of the greatest offensive rebounders, possibly the greatest in the game. Zion isn't necessarily throwing up shots, but he kind of, and I think he definitely would do this in high school where he would just, he would throw up crap shots from like 10 feet away. It was like a contested layup from 10 feet away. And it's like, this is insane because he just does that. And then he tracks the rebound and he goes and gets it. Part of that is the pogo stick. Part of that's just the Moses Malone special where he's just got that incredible body combined with the quickness combined with the, I think, impeccable ability to track his own rebounds. I think that's a 
skill in of itself, that hand-eye coordination, but uh, that eye tracking, really. It's not hand-eye. It's eye tracking. Um, it's like being a safety and trying to track the quarterback's eyes in the backfield. I mean, that's an impressive skill. Uh, the last couple I wanted to mention, his transition game obviously has been his defining skill. Uh, the dunks, obviously, yeah, that's what we all love to see in the alley-oops. Uh, but his outlet passing has been awesome. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things uh, I, I we have been able to see uh, since his high school days. But, you know, especially at Duke, he loves the outlet pass. He loves the pass. He loves to get his teammates involved. If he thinks he can, if he thinks he can set his teammate up with an advantage, he's going to do it almost every time. He's also just been great himself going coast to coast or when he catches it, you know, sorry, when a teammate passes it at half court, him going in and finishing on in, in a transition look. His, his, as I mentioned, his handle is not great. He cannot just drive in a half court situation right now, at least not more than a couple times a game. But in transition, he's great at it. Um, and he can do it, especially because a lot of times he can just, you know, sort of gather 15 feet from the rim and just kind of step and go up and score anyways. Um, the last thing, I think Zion's recovery defense has been pretty awesome. I specify recovery defense for a reason, and you'll know why in a few minutes. Um, but his ability, again, this goes back to the broad jump where you can just line up your shot and it's like, all right, it doesn't matter where I am. I'll just jump over there and hit the shot out of midair, um, which <laughs> Just seems ridiculous, but that's how he does it occasionally. Um, but also his, obviously, you know, the recovery where he's on his man and he gets beat inside and he goes in and blocks. He, he has, I feel like, one or two of those a game probably where he's just blocking it at the rim. Um, his steals, though, have been really impressive too. You know, I've got a couple of on-ball steals. Not really, that's not really recovery defense. That's more playmaking defense. But um, I guess both aspects he's been... You know, pretty impressive in more, more. It's more flashes in both of them for sure. But you know, it's not like recovery defense. You're not recovering every play, so it has been impressive to see him recover as many times as he has. Let's go ahead and talk though about the weaknesses. Only got a couple of weaknesses down here. I just I and I probably if I thought harder could think of more, but you know, I just I don't care as much about the weaknesses. Um, I know I said earlier this is this is ways to improve, I st and I stand by that. Uh, but at the same time, you know what? I don't want this to be an hour-long podcast, so I'm just going to do the few weaknesses uh, that I thought were really, uh, really stood out to me. So, number one, this dude, he's turnover-prone. I mean, that's just part of his game. Um, he hasn't actually turned... He hasn't had a ton of huge turnover nights. You know, he's had... A couple games with no turnovers. He's had three games with one turnover, a game with two turnovers, two games with three turnovers, one with, sorry, two with four turnovers, and two with five turnovers. So actually, you know, six games total with three or more turnovers uh, out of his 12. He is, you know, he's, he's a high-volume player. I mean, it just kind of makes sense. I mean, the dude's got a 30% usage right now, which is actually higher than he had at Duke. Um, which is kind of hilarious. Uh, I mean, that's that's insane, though. I mean, 
It's, I mean, obviously, he was playing with RJ and Cam Reddish back at Duke. Yeah, whatever. He's playing with Brandon Ingram right now. It's not like he's playing with nobodies. He's playing with Brandon Ingram and Drew Holiday. I, I, I think, though, he's very turnover prone. Um, obviously, his dribble. I don't want to go too much more into that. I feel like I've kind of covered that in a couple times I've alluded to it. Um, you know, he's just he's got a really loose dribble. He's not really reading the guy in front of him. He's just trying to keep his dribble alive, I think. Uh, it's functional. It's a functional dribble, but he's going to need to work on that a lot more. And honestly, it's probably a lot more game reps. He needs to get comfortable dribbling to uh, defeat the guy in front of him. I, I guess that's the best way to put it. Like, if you're Kyrie, you are not just dribbling like, okay, I'm trying to keep my dribble alive, and hopefully I can get inside for and get close enough that I can shoot. Kyrie is like, okay, I'm going to, I see this guy here and there's a guy behind him that's going to slide when I beat him. So I'm going to beat him with these two moves and then I'm going to go to my right and I'm going to go in and I'm going to do this move to beat the help and then I'm going to go up and shoot. And if I can't shoot because more guys are there, I haven't beat him and I'll pass it out to these, one of these two guys. I don't think they think that, you know, concretely every single play um, obviously I think it's probably, first of all, more sub, uh, subconscious. It's more just natural. And second of all, it's probably more fluid than that. But I think that's the idea. And I think Zion is just thinking, let's get into the paint so I can shoot. And if I can't shoot, then I'll pass. I don't think the level of detail and specificity in actually beating his defender is there. Uh, I think that's where the turnovers in his dribble come from. Uh, he also turns it over a lot passing. That's fine, though. He's just he's, He tries to make a lot of reads. Um, he tries to make a lot of difficult passes. I'm totally fine with that. You know, let him turn the ball over. He's literally, he's 19 years old. Uh, I, I don't know if y'all have been watching the games. He has this little, they, they have like this interview of him. They've played it a couple of the games. It's like the last part is like, yeah, sometimes I look in the mirror. I'm like, wow, these people know I'm 19 years old. He's 19. He doesn't even. He turns 20 in July. It's not even like he's 19, but he's really 20. Which, first of all, it doesn't matter because he's like still a child. Uh, I get to say that now that I'm over 21. Uh, if you're under 21, you are a child. There we go. Oh, yeah, I mean his passing is it's 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 turnover. Um, it's a turnover. He's a turnover machine with the passes. He's thrown some just awful passes that just go right to the opposing team. But he's thrown some amazing passes, too. He's thrown some great passes. And he's thrown way more productive passes than he has bad passes. So he needs to keep throwing that thing around. Um, and I mentioned... Sorry, I'm segwaying. I mentioned earlier his defense, uh, recovery defense, has been impressive. Uh, I did say, though, that... I left out the rest of his defense, and that's because I think that's actually probably been his biggest weakness, maybe, at least as far as being a winning team, winning player right now. He gets lost on defense a good bit. Um, not necessarily lost, like, I don't know where this guy went, but he's just, like, half a step too high sometimes or just, you know, doesn't have his arm on the guy. It, it just seems like he's... I, I, I'm not really sure what it is. I think he's just trying to learn NBA defense. I, I think it's probably... Um, I, I don't really know, personally, because I'm not in the NBA and I don't have any familiarity with the inner workings of it and I didn't play basketball 
you know, at any level. So I, I, um, I don't exactly know, but it's always been said that NBA defense is really hard to learn, especially if you're a big man. And while I say I think Zion, you know, is a forward, you know, really more of a wing into the future. You know, wing forward. He's not a big um, in the long term. He is certainly more of a big at this point in his career. And, you know, you can probably categorize forward, big. It's all kind of interchangeable at this point. He's, he's Zion. He's what he is. His defense has got to get better. He's just not really great with, like, primary rim-protecting responsibilities, I don't think. He gets beat on ball too much for his athletic for being athletic as athletic as he is um obviously some of it i think is learning nba defense but he gets beat i mean that's weird right zion gets beat by like not by not by Giannis, not by you know joel and bead like last night or a couple nights ago against the warriors he got beat by kai bowman like multiple times I mean, this dude was literally just at um, Boston College, playing against you in the ACC, how is he beating you? I, I was I, I I think that's I think that's just a problem. Um, I think he's got great hands. I think he's got sometimes he makes amazing defensive reads, and when he does, it turns into amazing plays. And that's I mentioned the defensive playmaking. He's got those that ability. He's got those instincts. Um, he's just got to shore up. Uh, everything else on defense. He just he, he just needs to get a ton of reps on defense. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. Just needs reps. It's not something I'm really worried about, but uh, that is probably the biggest thing for him to improve uh, if this Pelicans team wants to start contending sooner rather than later. Um, and and the, the last, I would say, major weakness I've really noted, he definitely has a lack of go-to moves. That's fine when you're 19 and you've played 12 games in the NBA. Um, but just take R.J. Barrett, for example. I think R.J. is someone that doesn't really have that many moves. I mean, I think he has a few moves, but they're kind of just like power moves. They aren't really skill moves. Um, and obviously, Zion would be better off with power moves uh, than R.J. Barrett would. Those, though R.J. is certainly a strong guy in his own right, and those certainly work. Um, I, I would like to see Zion have a couple more variations off of the the post-spin, uh, go baseline, and then spin up court. I, I would like to see a couple of variations on that spin move, a couple of variations on, you know, just the way he's getting to the basket. I think he, when he tries to improvise, he really struggles. I just don't think his, his, again, his handle is not there. I don't think he's thinking the game that well when he's inside the paint dribbling. He just need. He, I think, again, I think that's a weakness in his dribble. He needs a lot more practice dribbling the ball and just dribbling and attacking inside. Uh, and until he gets that, he's just not going to be great. He's not going to be great with the ball. He's not going to be a great shot creator off the dribble until his dribbling mechanics improve. And he is able to not just think about, okay, let me keep my dribble alive. He can't listen. Damian Lillard is not focusing on his dribble while he's playing basketball. He's just dribbling the ball. He may as well not be dribbling the ball. Like he, it, it's it's instinct. It is subconscious at some level. He's obviously he knows what he's doing, but.
but it's like feeding instructions into a machine. That's what his brain is doing. It's saying, okay, do these moves in sequence. It's not, it's not like, okay, let me focus on doing this particular move. Okay, this move contains that motion, that motion, that motion. All right, awesome, I did it. No, you just say, do this move, and then you do it. If you even say, do this move in your mind, it might just be that instinctual. So, hey, uh, listen, again, a lack of a go-to or set of go-to moves, that's like when you're in the finals and you need to hit, like, some post-fadeaways. Like, I'm talking down the line. That's sort of the thing with his weaknesses, right? He's got, his strengths are so strong, his, his weaknesses are just, they're refinements more than anything. We're just trying to find ways to polish his game, I think, when you look at his weaknesses. The last thing I guess, you know, would be shooting, you know, especially, I think the three-point thing is fine, whatever, it'll come in time. It's really the free-throw shooting, though, that you want to look at. Um, if he can really be a 75% free-throw shooter uh, for the season, like, he's just going to be unstoppable. He's going to be unstoppable, and he's going to be scoring 30 a game. So let me quickly move through these next couple of categories I had. Uh, I had one at the end that I still wanted to do in a little more depth. Th so I think the best teammate fits is an interesting one. Um, I think Lonzo, Drew Holiday, but Lonzo especially. Uh, those two guards have had a lot. Of, had, they just had awesome chemistry with Zion. They're the ones throwing in most of these alley-oops. You know, Lonzo's the one. He just loves throwing, like, the the full-court passes for the alley-oop. Um, just doing insane stuff. Um, but Drew, is, I think, loved playing with Zion. I think Drew having to be more like the second, even the first scorer when Brandon Ingram wasn't playing, uh, I think that took a toll on him just in terms of his production and performance. And um, I think he's much more comfortable having a guy like Zion, who the defense really sucks to. Um, and in the same vein, I think Brandon Ingram has really benefited from being the second, um, not the second option. He's been the sec he's, he's been the first option offensively, to be honest. But as, uh, as far as the defense is concerned, Brandon Ingram is the second priority. Um, so he has really thrived having that secondary role uh, as far as the defensive coverage is concerned. He is... He's, Obviously had an amazing season before that. It's not like he needed Zion to come to unlock his game, but it has certainly helped. Um, and Ingram's been throwing alley-oops to Zion. He's been passing Zion the ball. Surprisingly enough, this is not, this is honestly more about how Ingram has been a great fit for Zion than the other way around. Uh, Ingram has been great this season, no matter what Zion. I think it's been great to have, a guy like that that can take the scoring pressure off of him for, for a lot of the time. So yeah, that kind of kind of reversed as I was saying it. Uh, I kind of reversed the take I had on it, but yeah, hopefully it's not too confusing. Um, the last guy I wanted to mention, just because why not, Nicolo Melli. guy's been awesome, especially when he's been out there with Zion. A spacing big beside Zion, I mean, it just makes so much sense. And Melli is more than just a sit in the corner, shoot threes. He's a skilled guy and a good shooter. He's been, he's been awesome to watch for this team. Um, he, he'll, I'm sure he'll be around the NBA as long as he wants to be, at least the next few years. Um, it's too bad he, was, he wasn't here earlier. 
best games I've seen from Zion. Um, the first Portland game, that's got to be his best game so far. That was the one he went 11 for 14 from the line. Um, also had five assists in that game and only two turnovers, uh, plus six offensive rebounds. So, you know, it, it was just just amazing night for him. Going up against Hassan Whiteside, destroying him. Um, and then the next night, which did come in a loss, but a very close loss to Oklahoma City. Um, it was actually two, two nights after the Portland game. Um, he scored 32 in that one, which is his career high. Uh, 11 and 19 from the field. He hit 10 of his 13 free throws in that game. Uh, you know, had had another three offensive rebounds, only one assist, three turnovers, but he was really good and he scored a lot. Um, and Steven Adams had no chance against him. I thought that was the biggest takeaway from that game. So that's you know Hassan Whiteside and Steven Adams. Those are both two top 15 centers, if not top 10 centers, um, probably at least. Overall, maybe like defensively, they might be top 10 centers. Uh, and Steven Adams, I mean, one of the best box out rebound guys in the league, right? Maybe, you know, a top five guy box out and rebounds. Zion just, we, we, he handled them. Not every play, not every play, but through the course of the game, he handled them. And the last one I put, maybe, maybe a little weird, but the Milwaukee game. I thought he handled the Milwaukee game really well. I thought the fact that he had this, you know, ability or he had this drive to go at Brooke and Giannis again and again, like 19 attempts. You know, he only hit five, yeah, but he got up 19 shots on these guys, and that was the most shot attempts he'd had thus far this season. You know, 16 was the most he'd had before. This was just, you know. He just he happened to miss a lot of shots that he could have made, but at the same time he had four offensive rebounds. So I mean, and those are probably those were probably all of his own misses, right? He had ten of fourteen free throw shooting. He missed three threes, so that's another you know three shots you can kind of discard. And again, I said you know five assists. He was very productive this game. That's the thing with Zion. You see 5 for 19, 26%. It's never really 26%. It's three threes that, you know, were kind of just whatever. It was 10 for 14 from the line. It was four offensive rebounds. So that's probably four shots that, for most people, just are rebounded by the defense. But for him, he went and got another shot because he offensive rebounded it. Well, if you miss both of those shots and it looks worse for your, your percentage, obviously, but better to have the shot attempt right I would say yes um, and, and just again to see him go up against Brooke Lopez one of the best shot blockers in the NBA one of the best rim protecting centers in the NBA and Giannis is you know um, I think I'm gonna have to just push this last segment to its own podcast but I wanted to do a whole thing on the quote-unquote or the potential quote-unquote Zion stoppers so like I think initially we had you know the it was the MJ stopper, um, and then you had like the Kobe stoppers, um, and LeBron stoppers. It was just like the guys that were supposed to lock them down in defense in the playoffs. And it's like uh, Shaq, I know especially there were guys who literally had um, NBA careers based solely off of their ability to theoretically guard Shaq because they were large and heavy. Um, but Giannis, 
Giannis was right on my list of Zion stoppers. I mean, it makes sense. He's, I mean, Zion is the new flavor. He's the new freak, quote-unquote. But Giannis is still the Greek freak. I mean, he is a spectacular, you know, phenomenal athlete. He's a specimen. Um, he's, he's got all this length and all this strength now. And he's got one of the most incredible mindsets of any player um, ever. I mean, come on. He's the perfect guy to be a Zion stopper. Um, and we saw, you know, in the game versus the Bucks, he absolutely got his on Zion. I mean, Zion did not win that matchup. He lost that matchup. But at the same time, Zion went at Giannis. Zion went at Brooke Lopez and Giannis. And he did all right. I think that's I think that's the biggest takeaway from it is, you know what? He went up against those guys, and he survived. He didn't win, but you know what? He didn't get run off the court either. Best team in the league, and, and, and he's competing against them. So I, I, think that, um, I think that's really, really impressive. I think that's one of the things you look for, you know, when you're trying to look beyond what's happening right now in the court and you're trying to project and predict um, what's going to happen down the line. Seeing Zion hang with Giannis is, I would say, somewhat predictive of future success. Uh, I'm just going to leave it at that. As I said, uh, I wanted to do this Zion Stoppers segment, but definitely gone long enough for this episode. I'm going to go ahead and cut and leave that for another episode. Um, as a teaser, though, this is, I'm going to go ahead and drop this today on Tuesday. Um, this is... Sorry, tonight will be the Zion game in L.A. Uh, the Pelicans, you know, Brandon Ingram, Alonzo, Josh Hart returning to L.A. for the first time to play Braun and A.D. and the Lakers. Um, and number one on my Zion stoppers list was LeBron and Anthony Davis. So, and again, this isn't a ranked list. I'm not saying that's the best matchup on them, but, you know, that was the first pair I thought of. So we'll see. We'll get a chance by the time um, the next part comes out to see whether that is, is really a Zion stopping combination. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I think Zion will probably get his, but Anthony Davis is a monster defensively. And he's definitely one of the best matchups on him. And LeBron will get his. Rondo will probably get a good steal or two on him too. Yeah, that's all I've got for y'all. Thanks for tuning in. Um, you know, as always, it's been a pleasure. Love talking about Zion. Love talking hoops, you know? Um, yeah. I'll see y'all later. Just, just stay tuned. I'm sure I'll have a new episode out in the next couple of weeks. I'll see y'all. Peace out.